We all face those moments when we need to step out of our comfort zone, but it makes us feel too uncomfortable to actually take action. That may have happened to you recently, or probably it is happening to somebody in your team right now. Well, in today's episode, Ryan Crawford is going to be sharing a fascinating perspective that will not only shift your mindset, but it will also get you to step out of your comfort zone and take action. You are listening to the Unstoppable Leaders Podcast, the show dedicated to leaders who want to achieve more, do more, become more, and those that are looking for an unfair advantage in all that they do. Each episode will be an interview or a message to unleash the unstoppable leader within you and help you get a slight edge. Leaders are always growing, and this show will be your secret weapon to level up the next stage of your business and life. Your host, a performance excellence expert with LMI Canada, who works with leaders and organizations to realize more of their potential. I give you George Gamboa. Welcome, leaders, to another edition of the Unstoppable Leaders Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of having with us Ryan Crawford. He is going to share some of his experiences and insights on how he's become unstoppable. Ryan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Ray. I'm glad to be here. So uh, to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing these days? Yeah, of course. Happy to happy to share a little bit about myself. Uh, so I, uh, I'm Ryan Crawford. I'm uh, currently the Vice President of Client Services at uh, Delvinia, a Toronto-based company that's been operating over 20 years now. Um, as well, I'm also uh, an avid snowboard uh, coach. I built one of the uh, largest alpine snowboard racing programs in Ontario. And on the side, I like to mountain bike um, and uh, sort of work with my hands. So just to round out the uh, professional, personal side of things. Um, yeah, so I guess to talk a little bit more about my sort of role currently, as a part of Delvinia, we launched a product called Methodify. And I've been working on commercializing that business uh, with a team there for the last five years. Uh, and throughout my journey with uh, Methodify, I've grown as the company's grown. So it's been a it's been an interesting journey, uh, especially having to navigate a, a pandemic through through hyper growth. So I'm um, looking to talking more about that with uh, you, Jorge, in, in, in the next little bit. Cool. So. Let's go back to the beginning, because I think you mentioned you have a lot of different things from snowboarding to, to what you're doing right now. How did you get started on your path, on your career? Yeah, um, in, our, in our conversations leading up to this, I thought a lot about sort of the moments in, in my career that have, have kind of set me in the direction of going on. And this idea of sort of incremental leadership uh, has has kind of been a reoccurring theme. So just to start right at the beginning, my my, my first job ever was actually as a snowboard instructor. I was 15 years old, um, and at that point, I had responsibility over over children um, on a, on a mountain doing something that could be perceived as dangerous. So safety was always a, a top concern. Um, and then progressing from there, I, I started as a camp counselor, like a lot of kids do. Um, but I worked kind of through the ranks there to eventually run and manage. 
that startup, that, that community of, of camps, uh, you know, eventually looking after around 60 or so um, kids at a time. So, you know, talking about early career, you know, pre, pre, pre um, professional life, um, I, you know, I look back on that experience as sort of the foundation for some of the, the key lessons and leaderships that I, I built upon in my, in my professional career. Simple things like accountability, ownership of outcome, uh, safety of your team members and people around you. So fast forward to my first, you know, real career out of out of university. Um, I started uh, with a company called Baxter Healthcare um, in as an associate marketing manager for the infusion device market. Um, and what was really interesting about that role is we kind of had a national scope, um, and me as a part of the team. Uh, looked after everything from the marketing calendar, the activities, uh, working with uh, different key opinion leaders to promote our products. But more importantly, it wasn't just to talk about it. We actually also led uh, the conversion of our product in hospital. So I got to travel all around the the country um, helping hospital networks uh, switch their their operating processes and learn and educate uh, on this new new life-saving device, essentially. Um, which was really a great experience because um, not only do you, do you learn how to promote and sell and talk about a product, but also, you know, get live experience um, with uh, the outcome of that product and how, how it's used in practice and also how other people use it in their day-to-day life to, to save other people. So um, kind of out of that, like from that point forward, I um, I kind of crafted my, um, own journey, if you will. Um, from that point forward, I, I actually haven't had a job since that uh, I've applied for that uh, uh, was a was previously existing, if you want to think of it that way. So at Baxter, um, I noticed a gap. Essentially, at the time, it was very uh, analog. There wasn't a lot of digital marketing. In fact, digital marketing wasn't even a concept at the company at the time. And so I, I kind of pitched an idea to leadership where I was like, hey, I, you know, I see this need and obviously the industry is changing um i'd love to be able to do this for the company and um that that idea and that that pitch basically evolved into my next role there which was basically building up the marketing communications function uh in which i led the digital strategy for canada so let's talk a little bit about that because that is i think is very fascinating when you look at at making that uh, proposal for something different that they were doing in that company. Um, How was your relationship with the leadership team and how confident or what were you feeling in those days before you you made that that speech? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So, you know, relationships, my my personal belief, um, relationships are are one of the only constants you can have in, in life. So... At the end of the day, we're all people, whether your, uh, uh, your title is an associate or your title is a VP or, or your president or what have you. We're all, we're all just people wanting to be treated as people. So as a young guy uh, starting out his career, humility was kind of a big thing for me. Um, I had a lot of confidence, <laughs> which is helpful. But, uh, you know, I had, I had some early mentors and, and sort of guides to temper that a little bit and structure it so that I could use that in a in a way instead of me sort of saying hey this is what we need to do and being very forceful it was all very suggestive right and additive so 
basically leading up to that pitch, um, I'd already sort of been with the company maybe about a year and a half. And so, you know, I've been able to travel with some leadership. I got to really understand how they grew in their careers. I did a lot of interviews like we're having right now, where it was, you know, tell me about, you know, your path and how you solve problems and what's your perspective on the industry, the market, et cetera. And so, you know, I had the groundwork I had going into that was already a very open relationship where we talked about all kinds of uh, aspects, whether it's personal or professional. The interesting thing though is when I made the pitch to my VP at the time, he uh, he was like, I love the idea. He's like, but I'm one of three people that you need to convince because there were three heads of the various business units. And I had a great relationship with him by proxy because uh, my my boss's boss that was like two levels up basically. Um, but I didn't know the other two. And so he's like, oh, I'm happy to facilitate an intro and kind of set you up. But he, always, he, he flipped it back on me and he actually asked, um, what do you want me, how do you want me to set you up? So it was a really interesting question because instead of him just saying the yay or nay, he actually gave me the, the power or the leadership challenge, if you will, to say, you know, how do I make what I'm talking about here relevant to people I don't know and I don't have a relationship with? Um, and so I had to really um, tie it back to the business objectives and the metrics. And, you know, whenever you go in and you pitch something that's important to you, you get that nervous, excited feeling. Um, but at the at the end of me doing my rounds, I think I, I ended up talking to probably about half a dozen other people. The company said, you know, this is a, a worthwhile endeavor. Um it took about another six months for them to assign like a, a sponsor. And then uh, we, we roughed out the job description and I got going and I, I basically spent the next two and a half years working on that. Okay. No, that's, that's pretty cool. So pretty much it, it pays off to be uncomfortable and taking action. Yeah. Like my, um, and I use this actually with my athletes. I mentioned that I uh, started a snowboard race team. The feeling of uncomfortable is, uh, is you, I usually say that that means you care about whatever you're doing. Um, you know, if it is coming from within, if some, if some external pressure is making you feel uncomfortable, that's a different story. But if you, if you are making yourself feel uncomfortable, usually that means it's important to you. Um, but what I always tell people, especially my athletes and even now my team that I lead is if you're doing something new and you're nervous and you're feeling uncomfortable, one thing I can guarantee them is the second you start, whether it's that pitch or like, for example, you know, in the, in the starting race gate for a snowboard race, um, as soon as that gate flips down, all of that nervous, uncomfortable energy is going to flip right into adrenaline and it's going to basically power you through that event. That's going to happen every time because you care about it. And uh, as soon as that, that milestone from hoping it goes well to uh, starting it and making it go well, suddenly that nervous energy disappears and it's all just like raw adrenaline that's going to help you kind of, you know, surpass that challenge that you've perceived. Um, and that's a constant, like I've experienced that a dozen times. And so what I help train on is, you know, making sure they, they understand that feeling, helping them through it the first couple times, but then making sure that they recognize that whenever they're coming up on something uncomfortable for themselves, and I do this to myself as well, like I know it's okay to be uncomfortable leading up because as soon as I start it, it's going to power me in a in a very energetic way. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of power in, in what you just mentioned. Uh, 
turning the uncomfortability into adrenaline. That's yeah. That's the magic moment. Yeah. And then if you can, if you can kind of muster your confidence in yourself that, you know, you know what you're doing and, and even if you don't know what you're doing, there's been plenty of times in my career. Uh, and I think that's the secret to a good leader. If you want to talk about it is how do they handle scenarios where they don't know what they're doing because life doesn't have a, a rule book. There's no like perfect way to do one thing. Um, we all just have hypotheses and ideas and, and leaders are in my life, the leaders that I follow are the ones who uh, recognize recognize this and and try they try things and they you know they do it not uninformed they obviously do their research and they have a lot of experience but you know the, the higher you'll go up into your career the less or the more you realize that you the people around you don't know what they're doing they're just solving net new problems with uh, examples they have from their past <laughs> yeah so, so it's all about problem solving absolutely so after after that you continue creating your own jobs, your own destiny in a way? Yeah. yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. So as I was building the digital strategy um, for, for Baxter Canada, and I worked with a great international team and a number of people uh, on the IT team, that's really critical for digital transformation. Um, I, I ended up hiring and, and, and recruiting a number of different vendors to do various projects, whether it was websites or apps or um you know, user experience design, et cetera. Um, but uh, actually, I remember a, a big success was when I had got the sign off on our five-year digital strategy plan. And um, and specifically, the, uh, an e-commerce proposal that I pitched uh, that was going to bring a new revenue stream to the business. I was really, that was my kind of end game at Baxter. I was like, I, if I could own this e-commerce side of it and Baxter is not a small company in Canada. It's hundreds of millions. Um, but I'm like, I saw an opportunity for 40 to 50 million in just e-commerce revenue. Um, but my, my boss, uh, or the VP at the time sat me down, you know, he's like, congratulations. Uh, however, you know, this five-year plan you put together, you know, it's going to take 30 years. And I, he just kind of let, he just kind of let it hang. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm like, I didn't know that. Like, no, no, it can't take 30 years. It take it needs to take five. <laughs> like that's the plan. Um, he's just like, yes. However, you know, priorities change, leadership changes. Your the likelihood is you're going to have to pitch this half a dozen more times, you know, to even get it to conclusion. And, and it was interesting because he's like, he was looking out for me in a, in a, in a, in a good way where he was just like, are you ready to dedicate your whole career to this plan? at Baxter. And then I was just like, I was just like, you know, it's a, it's an obvious answer. Right. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to dedicate a third. Like this isn't the only thing I want to achieve with my career. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he wasn't saying it to discourage me. We had a very good conversation about just the reality of big corporate company, uh, and, and how, it, and how much effort and time it really does take to make fundamental changes. And, and they're on that journey now. I still keep in touch with them and, uh, you know, they're still doing it. I've, I've been gone for five and a half years. Uh, e-commerce is, is still kind of bubbling along, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the transition point for me to say, okay, I need to go find something else was this, this kind of moment where he's just like, what, how do you want to spend your time and what do you want to fight for? Right. So that prompted me to just start exploring, like, and I kind of did an exercise where I'm like, what do I, what do I really like to do? So my university degree, um, I'm a bio, 
a cellular biologist and a pharmacologist. So I went uh, to McMaster for, for science. And so that's how I ended up in healthcare. But through this experience with Baxter, I just sort of took inventory of the things that I liked. And the digital strategy aspect was something I really enjoyed. So um, I started reaching out to people I knew, some of the vendors that I'd hired, and uh, you know who would eventually become my boss I, uh, at Delvinia, or the president of Delvinia, uh, Steve Mast. He uh, he and I sat down uh, just for coffee, and I was just doing an informational interview, explaining you know what I'd done because he knew what I'd been doing because I'd hired him for pieces of it, uh, and explained that you know I want to do more of it. I want like I want to do it for you know, not just healthcare, I want to do it for finance, I want to do it in CPG, I want to do it like, maybe I, I think I should look at a consulting job, right? Like, and so I was asking him, you know, how do I get into it? Where would I start? You know, I have no, no experience in the industry. Anyways, you know, just kind of timing worked out. And he's just like, hey, we're expanding our consulting team, we need a, a new head uh, of the um, client services group. To, to run our digital strategy. And he's just like, do you want to interview for it? And uh, so he, he kind of created that position for me to come into to Delvinia and, um, and uh, work on our consulting business. So I was like, that sounds, that sounds like a great idea. Um, more so than the company, like I bought into him because I, I met him and I'd hired him. I love the way he thought. And for those of you who don't know Steve Mast, he's currently the chair of the Canadian Marketing Association in Canada. And he's a, he's a fantastic uh, visionary uh, in the marketing and uh, digital space. So that's kind of how I made my, my next jump where I was just like, I want to learn from this guy. He knows, he knows things, you know, this is the guy who launched, um, you know, uh, digital banking for RBC back in like 2001, right? Like, you know, he, 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 this, this is the guy who's making change in digital uh, in, uh, in Canada. And uh, so I was like, I, uh, there's something I can learn here. So. That's how I made the jump to Delvinia. Yeah, and you mentioned a few a few things. One is definitely the the value of building those personal relationships. It pays off at the end of the day. That opens doors. And the other one I, I think is even more important is how people attract people. Successful people attract people that want to be engaged that want to do something of significant. And that seems to be the case with, with you and, and Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And just to maybe offer a rephrase on, on your comment, because I believe it's true that, you know, successful people attract successful people. But for those listening, it's I always found it hard to define success. Like, how do you know when you're successful? How do you know that when your success is going to attract other people's success? So something that I've I've you know, thought a lot about myself, and I, I share this with my team and anyone that I talk with, is what served me really well is just to be interested. Just be interested in others, what they're excited about, what they what they think they do well, ask questions to understand. Um, and in showing your interest, you learn and you build a relationship with them because you can relate. Right. Um, and by no means am I suggesting that you fake interest. Like you don't, you want to be genuine. Uh, you have to be genuine, but you know, natural. like I'm, I am lucky. I think in the sense that I'm very naturally curious. So I, I kind of funneled my curiosity to, and I really enjoy 
asking about people's hobbies, asking about people's like professional journeys, asking like what get what gets you excited to like get up out of bed and, and like tackle your work day or work week, you know? And, you know, if you start doing that, you're going to meet different people that have this spark about them where they're like, they found the thing that gets them motivated. And that might not be the thing for you, but if you do this enough, you start finding people that are similar to you and similar to your interests. And then suddenly, um, you know, with Steve, for example, him and I, uh, I found that, that guy, but I had done probably 15, 20 sit downs with others that, that, you know, had varying degrees of interest in what they were doing. So, yeah, I just, I, I think what you said was really interesting around how like success attracts success, but even if you don't feel successful, um, I would just advise and like what's always served me well is just, just be interested, you know, ask questions, ask follow-ups, like probe, um, and just see what she can pull out. Like, you know, that I, I used to play a game early on when I met new people where I was just like, um, how, what's the fewest number of questions I can ask to get, get to a point where this person and I have something in common? Like, what, what, yeah. And so, like, sometimes it'd be like, cause I ended up doing a lot of conferences and, you know, I don't, for anyone who's done conferences, um, it can get boring when you're just like standing at a booth or, you know, you know, waiting for someone to come by. And so when I met people, like also just to take a quick tangent, um, I never saw myself as a salesperson, but I ended up being quite good at it. Um, and I think just being interested in people have served me in that category, but yeah, you meet someone and, and I'm like, okay, I don't know you. I don't know you. I know your name. Maybe you're going to say, Hey, I'm, you know, Jorge, I'm from this company. And I'm like, great. So let me find out what Jorge is all about. You know, you know, it is. And, and I just start asking questions. Um, and hopefully we, we find something in a couple of questions or three or four questions, five, 10 minutes where I'm like, okay, now him and I have something in connection. Maybe we traveled somewhere the same way. Maybe we have an interest in the same hobby. Uh, maybe we're in the same category, whatever it is. So I play that little game sometimes just cause it's, uh, and that kind of hones my skills uh, when building new relationships. Yeah. So, so let me ask you something that you mentioned. What uh, sparks your uh, your days? What makes you want to wake up in the morning and go to work or do what you're doing? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so for me right now, um, I'm on this journey with Methodify. Uh, we're building a, a company. Um, and as much as I'm a sales leader, that's the function I'm playing right now. Um, what gets me excited is the transition we're, lead, we're leading in the market research industry. So very similar to what I was doing in, in healthcare, trying to, to in, introduce digital uh, transformation there. Um, we're, we're, as a product, helping um, the market adapt to um, digital practice and, and technology uh, for market research. So I, what I get excited about is a number of things. Like when I speak with a client or a new prospect and I get the very subtle pause and they go, that's interesting where I've, um, I've been able to get them to think about something in a, in a different way, whether it's better or worse, but it's a different way, right? Just something, something that changed their status quo a little bit and hopefully get them to just consider an alternative to something that they might be very familiar with. Um, and then the second thing is sort of the longer term goal of, you know, Methodify is only five years old. Um, and, 
you know, I started uh, as, I guess, employee number four, <laughs> if you want to think about that. Um, and uh, now we're like 65 people. And, you know, we were in the U.S. and we're going to be going global eventually. And I'm like, to me, as a problem solver that I just love tackling new challenges, I'm like, this is, uh, you know, it's not always good. I don't, I'm not always excited to solve all the problems. And I think that's a common misconception. Um, you know, I have, a, I have my days like anyone where I'm just like, oh, I don't want to deal with this problem. But, uh, you know, you know, the perspective of what we're trying to achieve here as a Canadian company and, um, you know, trying to keep Canadian talent and build Canadian jobs um, is uh, is exciting, right? Um, and I think that's uh, that's kind of what motivates me right now. And what would be one of the most difficult challenges from leadership point of view that you have faced? Oh my gosh! Uh, I think the most recent one uh, was last year. So so beginning of so I guess just to fill in the journey a little bit on. Um, So when I joined Delvinia uh, in the consulting role, um, I did that for a few years and I worked across a number of different brands. But then Methodify uh, was just a, a prototype uh, in the company and the company you know, saw this change in the market coming in and uh, we said, okay, let's invest in trying to make this, this work. Um, and so that's when I slowly started to transition away from managing all the consulting work to helping the executive team there, uh, commercialize the, the product. So, so now, now kind of going back to your question, some of the most challenging things, uh, leadership challenges I've had, um, was, you know, in the last three years, I, I, we've, we figured out the model on how to, how this product works and where it fills and what problems it solves and, and all the things to do with commercialization. Now it's time to scale. And so in beginning of 2021, my biggest leadership challenge was we essentially pulled resources in from different parts of the company uh, to build a, an actual sales team for, for Methodify. And these people had a, a very wide degree of experience, all very capable, all very smart, um, wonderful individuals, but kind of pulled from all different aspects of this business, different types of experience. And the, the mandate we were given was essentially to forge a high performing sales team out of, out of, this group of individuals that we were given, um, you know, and so me and my, my business partner, Roy, we, we sat down and created a plan that we felt really good about. And then the pandemic hits. <laughs> and so when you ask me about my biggest leadership challenge, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a relatively new leader. You know, I've only been managing people in um, a professional capacity for maybe five years, less than. And so now I've got a brand new team of people that, um, You know, not, not all of them that I hire, right? Uh, have they, and I've got to forge and mold and educate them into this new product that's highly consultative, platform based sales, uh, longer sales cycles. And then now I can't even do it in person, right? I have to, I have to, you know, the, 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 I know for all companies, the transition to work from home wasn't smooth. Uh, we, I think we navigated that fairly well. The, our executive team did a good job there. Um, but, you know, that now suddenly everyone's top concern as an individual is my health, my safety, my family, right? So to get them to focus on the mandate and the vision and what we need to do as a team and the opportunity for them in their career, uh, that was, that was a very tough thing. And, and there's no cookie cutter model. Like I couldn't just do one thing and do it for all 
seven of them, right? I had to, you know, find and, and build a relationship with each of them and understand what motivated them and what their, what their perceived strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, help get them oriented in a way that, that they could be the best they could as a contributor for our team. Um, and it, it was not smooth, right? It was, it was bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. What's next for you on your path? Yeah, so I think uh, on my path, um, I, I heard this great quote that you and I chatted about a little bit, um, where basically it's like, you know, you're not a true leader until you've built leaders of your own. Uh, and so what's sort of next on my path is to build the next kind of level of leadership. Like we're, we're currently experiencing 300% growth in our company. And if that trajectory continues, I'm going to need to hire more and more levels uh, of individuals. And, um, you know, my challenge will be how, how do I build a structure of people who I can trust and they believe in themselves to kind of manage through our growth. So um, I'm spending a lot of time uh, investing in, in them, in my, in my team, and trying to build up, them up as leaders uh, to get them to where I think they need to be in, in order to um, sort of be ready for the next stage of our company's journey. Um, and so, you know, professionally for me, I'm, I'm excited to see where this journey goes. There's a lot of it's kind of a crazy time to be in market research technology that, you know, you hear about all these acquisitions and you hear about all these um, mergers and um, you know, they're all over the place. And I think, um, you know, my goal is to kind of get uh, us in Canada uh, up to a certain revenue level uh, and then look at, you know, what, what's the next big problem we can solve. Right. I think, be, after my methodify journey, what I've what I've always wanted to do is is get back to helping digital transformation in healthcare and pharma. I think in Canada there's a huge opportunity nationally to evolve, and that's a it's a, it's a long term uh, ideal. Uh, I've got a few seeds that are growing right now. If you want to think of it like that in that space, but. Yeah, I think part of me professionally and personally, I'm just trying to hone my ability to commercialize a business. So, you know, Methodify has been a great opportunity to take, you know, something from almost zero dollars in revenue up to a multi-million dollar business. Um, and I want to see how far we can push that um, and kind of build a build a team, invest in people and, uh, you know, see if we can actually hit the mandate that we want to hit, uh, which is, um, you know, empowering our customers to make better decisions through data, right? So, uh, but as a leader, yeah, it's a, I think my bit, next big challenge will be building the next generation of leaders. And as well, like, um, you know, working with seasoned leaders, you know, I'm, I'm gonna wanna hire people who are more experienced than me and they have more leadership experience than me. Because um, I think, again, all, all the leaders that I've ever worked with, want you want smart people, you want people who are capable. Um, and so how do I manage uh, those type of individuals who probably don't need to be managed. You know, they just need to be supported and looked after and, and given the space to go do what they do best, right? So I think that's sort of what's next up on my leadership journey. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, an art how to unlock the potential of others, right? So they can do. Absolutely. Um, and so my, my kind of 
approach right now is again, just, I'm a person. I'm going to keep it humble. Like with my team, I, t- I tell them all the time. I'm like, I figured out something that works, but that doesn't mean that what I've figured out is the only way to do it. So my cha- my, my standing challenge to the team is, you know, take, take what you can learn from me and from our executive and from all the really smart people in our company. But in order for us to get to the next level, we're going to have to do something differently. And that idea might come from me, that idea might come from you, you know, or it might come from both of us. So that's the standing challenge on, on my team where it's like, I, I don't pretend that I have all the answers all the time, but I can, if, uh, if they need a hypothesis or an idea, I'm, uh, I'm here for them to you know come up with something and try it. If you look back at all of your career and progression, if you could go back in time and invest extra money in yourself, what would you have done differently or in addition to? Extra money. So uh, there was a point in my life where I was considering doing an MBA um, and I haven't done it um, because I always believe sort of practical experience has outweighed the the paid experience at this point. Um, And so I wouldn't go back and do an MBA, but maybe what I'd go back and do is actually like, you know, spend more time and, and I guess money to, to learn another language. Um, because international business has always fascinated me. Uh, and as you know, speaking English will get you a long way, but, you know, talking about building relationships, right. You know, being able to speak with somebody in their first language, uh, it also just helps you, you as an individual think differently, because I think part of being a good leader and recognizing others, individual differences is challenging yourself to see others' perspectives, right? And I think language is a, is a great way to do that. So um, going back and maybe doing that would be is one. I, th- I still think I might try and pick that up in the future. The, uh, you just have to pro- um, prioritize it and practice it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think probably language is what I would invest most in. So, uh, we all know that work is not everything in life. How are you balancing your life? What else is going on in Ryan's universe? Well, so I, am uh, starting a family, so that's coming up, uh, in June. So that'll be the next big adventure to kind of make space in my life, uh, for, uh, for a new tiny human. And, you know, I have a, a startup with some friends on the side that we've been working on uh, in the healthcare space called Helpers Home Care. It's an app uh, for on-demand um, home care uh, in the house. Um, you know, I, I mentioned how I wanted to eventually get back into working in the pharma healthcare sort of transformation space. And we saw an opportunity to try and help people who who need quick access to home care Um but can't get it through the government because of, uh, you know, restrictions and those types of things. So, you know, my 360 on my life right now is very focused on my career at, at um, Thoughtify. Um, but my, I also support my wife. She's a, she's a powerhouse uh, brand manager for a, a large national pizza chain in the U.S. Um, she's very career focused as well. Um, but I also like to spend time just reading, uh, mountain biking, um, just getting out into a forest and decompressing. Um, I, the, 2020 has taught me uh, a, a valuable lesson in that, you know, you need to, for me, I think of things as, as gears. Uh, you can't always be, 
in the highest gear running at full power else you're going to burn out so how do you kind of manage your energy levels day to day week to week um and give yourself time to reflect and time to um kind of be aware of what you're doing and and because uh, you know when you get really busy it, 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 sometimes we all get tunnel vision where you just want to run towards a specific objective um but you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't take some time every day to just sort of think about, did I do this well, how I would have done it differently, you know, or in some cases, don't think about anything at all because you just need some time to, for your mind to kind of compress. You know, I don't know if you, if you guys might find this interesting, but something, a technique I use, I, uh, you know, I think your brain is a bit of a computer. And so when I have a problem that I don't exactly know how to solve, I just kind of park it in the back of my head. And I, and I say, okay, subconscious, go do your work. And I have no idea when my brain is going to come up with an idea for it, but it could be a day. It could be a week. Sometimes it's three months, but I'm like, instead of me sitting here at my desk, trying to like actively crunch a, you know, a problem, um, sometimes I just park it and it, the brain's amazing. It'll just figure it out and come back to you with a, you know, you'll have one of those aha moments. You're like, huh how come I didn't think of this before? And that's, I think that's your subconscious being like, I, I figured out your problem. Yeah, no, it, it is a shame that we have such a powerful mind and we don't have the user's manual. But, but yeah, it works in mysterious ways. Right, yeah. So so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the 360 on my life. Like in the winter, typically, we like to do a lot of skiing and snowboarding. I obviously spend some time with friend and family, but uh yeah, so I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I've actually one of my chronic issues is uh, filling my life with too much stuff. Like mm-hmm. you know, I um, I've gone through various cycles of this throughout high school, university, my professional career, um, and uh, it never goes well because eventually I say yes to too many things, and then I, I get to a point where I'm not doing any of them well, and I have to cut them back. So, you know, I'm trying to learn from this repeat behavior and now I'd be very choiceful on, uh, you know, what I say I'm going to do because I want to do it well. Yes. Prioritizing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. If someone uh, who is listening, what advice would you give them if they want to level up? Yeah. Um, so first advice is, is invest in, in people, um, invest in, um, people that get, that you find interesting. Right. And, and just do a kind of a, a, a review of like, you know, who do you work for your boss, your peers? Are there, is there someone in your company, someone in your, in your, uh, network that you really, every time you talk to them, you're like, Oh, I, I left with a new idea or it's really interesting what they're doing. Right. Um, and then just invest in getting to know them, right? Uh, because what will happen organically is if if two people who find each other interesting, um, you know, spark, then that energy is going to carry you through your career. So you can start creating opportunities for yourself because you're you've invested in them, whether it's a, a VP or a you know you know, someone below you, right? Like at the end of the day, we're just people trying to achieve goals. Right. And if you had, if you had, if you had the best idea, that's going to win. <laughs> so, um, you know, in your career too, the, the thing that I, I advise and I, and I follow this myself is look for, look for the white space, 
you know, there's lots of people who are competing in a, in a like industry. They want to be the best at something. And then, you know, we, we've been trained to, you know, we've been trained to think that if we're the best at something, we're going to get promoted or we're going to get the next job. Right. But that's not always the case. Um, you know, sometimes if you're the best at something, your company's just going to keep you in the spot that you are because they won't need someone to do that best job. Um, so, you know, what I, I suggest anyone who is looking to kind of move upward in their career is um, expand your perspective on what you are doing in the company and see if there are ways that you can either improve um, or add or change something in that circle kind of around you that someone else hasn't thought of, or maybe someone has thought of, but hasn't acted on because ideas are cheap, right? It's the people who come up with the idea and find a way to action them that get recognized uh, for, for their contribution. Um, and so, you know, one way to look at that is, you know, every process that you operate or every team that you're a part of, you know, if you don't know already, go talk to the person that's one, one person outside of that circle. So, you know, if you're in sales and you have a marketing person that you get collateral from, um, who does that marketing person work with, right? And how does what they do help the marketing person do what they do to help you do what you do? And then once you have kind of expanded your view of your role within the company, start just thinking about, you know, what the company's goals and objectives are and, you know, we're, who's not working in a certain direction. And I guarantee there's going to be gaps. No, no company is airtight. I work with clients as large as RBC and as small as a five per five person agency. And, uh, you know, RBC hires 80,000 people and there are gaps everywhere, you know, and, you know, you just observe, be interested, ask questions, find that white space. And then, you know, with the people that you've built the relationship with, you can, you can come up with some ideas and then act. Right. So, um, and then, you know, you take that, you own that and um, you take it to your leadership and you say, Hey, I think I want to do this, or I think we should be doing this. And it's going to be more work just FYI in the short term. They're going to, they're good. If they buy into it, you're not going to get a pay bump right away. But if you're successful in your idea, then you make a case to say, I want to keep doing more of this. And that's kind of puts you on that trajectory to being a leader where you've, you've identified a problem, you've identified a solution and, um, and you're owning it and uh, you're, you've convinced others to follow you into that, uh, into that direction that you've, you've uh, seen that vision. Solving problems, finding them and, and solving them. Yeah. And, and, and I think just to make it more tangible, they don't have to be big problems. Like, like everyone I think too has a misconception where, you know, Oh, I need the next, like, Oh, you know, the company wants more revenue. So I need to go find the next big product. That's a huge problem, but there's lots of ways to think about it too. Like it, it could be a little thing, a little pain point. Um, it could be just challenging a process that people have done for 10 years because that's what we do. You know, like that's one of my, that's a gold mine. When you hear someone say, that's what we do. That just means the company hasn't thought about it in so long that it's become wallpaper. Right. Yeah. And so you, you like, if you hear that and every company that I've consulted for, I've heard that. <laughs> so it's out there. Um, you know, 
change for the sake of change is not always good, but it's a great place to start because, you know, the world is changing. Um, and I look for inspiration all over the place. Like that part of my, the, the thing that benefited me moving to a consulting role was having exposure to like CPGs and finance companies and insurance and tech and healthcare. There's problems that are happening all over different industries that the other industries don't even realize are happening to them. <laughs> and so, so, you know, I, I, I have subscribed to some news things and, and every morning when I'm reading my news, I'm like, okay, hey, like my client is in a completely unrelated category. I see this happening to them. And so I'm going to bring it up and uh, talk about how, you know, this pizza company has solved this problem. And, you know, you know, why aren't you in banking thinking about it this way? Right. Um, so that's that's an example of sort of that white space creation. Yeah. As you expand your context, you start seeing different patterns that are not so evident. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a great, great advice. Yeah. Observe and be interested. I would say that's how I would uh, that's how I would summarize it. Cool. Well, uh, there you have it, leaders. Uh, a very inspiring uh, conversation with Ryan. And if somebody has questions or wants to uh, know more about your uh, projects or what you're doing, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, definitely check out uh, methodify.ca. Uh, um, it's a research automation uh, platform. Uh, it helps you do agile research in 24 to 48 hours. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ryan Crawford. Feel free to send me a message and I'm happy to chat. Um, and then if you want to learn more about helpers, it's called Helpers Home Care. And uh, it's just uh, started up in uh, sort of the Burlington, Halton, Oakville area. Um, so it's pretty tiny, but uh, you can also find a link to that on my LinkedIn or feel free to Google it and have a, have a, have a look at the website. Cool. So once again, uh, thanks for joining, Ryan. Uh, uh, this is very uh, informational and insightful as well. And everyone, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like it, hit like and share it with your friends. And until next time, let's take care of each other and have a good one. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Unstoppable Leaders Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. You can also grab a copy of our framework for increased productivity for leaders. It's called The Five Elements, Foundations of Success, and you can get it for free at lmiadvantage.com forward slash elements. Inside the framework, you will find five elements on which to build the foundation to consistently move the needle every day, every week to achieve more, do more, and become more. Once again, it's lmiadvantage.com forward slash elements. Let this be a reminder for you to be unstoppable in business and life. See you next time.